Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective, brought to you by the Ayn Rand Center UK, where we apply the practical philosophy of objectivism to everything. And today we're going to apply it to uh, some breaking news on CNN, where a Montana judge handed out a significant victory to more than a dozen young plaintiffs in the nation's first constitutional climate trial. Now, we're going to sort of unpack exactly what this means, but uh, apparently District Court Judge Kathy Seeley was acting in accordance with a provision in the Montana State Constitution, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase, which commands that one maintain a clean and healthful environment. Now, of course, clean and healthful environment is a extremely subjective uh, term, and I'm assuming that their version of clean and healthful has a different standard than uh, an objectivist standard. Uh, clean and healthful to them may mean pristine and untouched nature. To us, human human action improves nature, even though there is a side effect of, of, of uh, some industrial waste and pollution that has to be dealt with. Life is exponentially better when human beings improve upon nature. Uh, we'll be discussing whether raw nature is good or uh, human improvements upon nature are preferred uh, and how exactly we're going to deal with this issue. And since it's predominantly legal, and I'm sure uh, my esteemed partner, James Valiant, has delved into the details more deeply than I, including into the provisions of the Montana State Constitution, he's going to help us unpack this sticky situation from an objectivist point of view. James, how are you? Always good to uh, partner up with you on these uh, wonderful mornings. Indeed, my brother. Uh, just having a great day. I hope you are too. I, uh, you know, I caught your own uh, podcast the other day. Man, you are brilliant. You are articulate. But getting to the point, I just wanted to recommend that to all of our listeners, by the way. Oh, thank your you. Your podcast is gold. Anyway, you're absolutely right. This constitutional provision in the state constitution of Montana is one of the most, perhaps the most evil provision in any American state constitution I have ever read. Uh, get this, the state and each person, that's you and me individually, private persons, the state and each person shall maintain and improve. So if you live in Montana, you've got a duty, a legal duty under the Constitution to positively improve the environment. And get this, in a clean and healthful, improve a clean and healthful environment in Montana for present and future generations. So whatever someone might speculate would be the consequences on the environment in the future has to be currently improved, not just maintained, but improved by you. And of course, you point out the first problem in this insanity uh, is that the uh, words themselves are flip, you know, squishy as any words can be. They can mean anything to anybody. If Alex Epstein and you were on the court and deciding what, what a clean and helpful environment would be. Just to give you a couple of historical examples, oh, one I mentioned on one of our ARC uh, UK podcasts the other day, the introduction of the automobile dramatically improved and cleaned the environment in places like New York City and London. The diseases, when horses filled the streets of big cities as the main form of transportation, the mm. uh, animal droppings created all kinds of insect-borne diseases, which were deadly. The disease rates, the in actual, the mortality rates of people dying in cities like New York and London dramatically declined with the introduction of fossil 
fuel-based uh, combustion engines, mind you. The automobile saved millions of lives, dramatically cleaned and improved the environments in big cities, uh, objectively. So are they going to take that into account? Is that the kind of clean and improved environment? No. It's not you, Mark, and Alex Epstein who'll be deciding these things, but how vague and squishy, because it can include whatever scientific opinion says about what the future might hold under their catastrophic uh, climate theories. Absolutely insane. And it imposes a positive right. This is not a negative right, freedom. This is a positive right. That's why I think it's important to bring up your recent podcast, my, my brother. This is a positive right that people have. I have a right to a certain environment. And it doesn't matter what the causes of it are. Let's say that nature all on its own starts a new ice age or starts a new uh, you know, humid jungle heating age. Uh, we have to take steps to change nature's natural course they act as though, of course, the ecosystem is this changeless, pristine, delicate balance that must be kept, you know, in perfect uh, coordination. When, of course, the history of life on Earth is constant dynamic change. Most of the species that ever existed became extinct without any help from Homo sapiens. None whatever. So the environment is constantly changing all on its own. So is this imposing a positive duty on the private citizens of Montana? to fix nature, even nature's own developments uh, in nature, so that it meets someone's subjective view of what a clean and healthy environment is, which can range from the more objective belief that uh, actually a high-tech, high-industry civilization would be much cleaner and safer. Uh, nuclear power, for example, would eliminate, would eliminate this. Now, do you think for five seconds these plaintiffs will say, oh, we demand nuclear power now in Montana to, to make our environment cleaner and safer, even based on their own uh, climate change science. No, they will not. No, and uh, this district court, okay, so get this. The story is that a bunch of plaintiffs from the ages of five to 22, that's right, five-year-olds are going into <laughs> court saying, um, my future is being jeopardized by the burning of any fossil fuels in a relatively unpopular, I mean, there are cities within America which have bigger populations than the whole state of Montana, which is physically vast. Montana's contribution to carbon emissions is infinitesimal when you look at the world view of this, but all climate change is now imputed to the companies of Montana. So if you're a company that burns fossil fuels in Montana, you have to account for all of the carbon emissions from everywhere in the world, like China, India, Russia, you name it, you're responsible for those carbon emissions and the effect on the children in Montana. And that was the claim. And that was the claim that this trial court just bought into. Now, the hope here is that Montana is one among the more conservative states, and this will be appealed to the state Supreme Court, which has jurisdiction over ruling on this. It may even violate this aspect of the Montana Constitution, in my view, even see, of course, that's my interpretation, would, in, would violate the United States Constitution and your rights and freedom as an individual, your property rights, because these guys are taking on profit as such. You should listen to these kids. They hate profit. They hate property. The irony of it all, of course, they filed a federal suit claiming that their rights to life, liberty and property are being violated by the burning of fossil fuels. Uh, that federal case is, of course, going to head to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will reject it, I'm confident. And I, I'm hopeful that the Montana Supreme Court even 
will reject this Montana uh, interpretation of their non-objective law. When Ayn Rand talks about non-objective law, and I've talked about antitrust laws, for example, this could be the quintessential example of a non-objective law that could mean anything at any time to any judge, and no one ever knows whether they're violating it in advance. Is my driving my moped uh, to the corner store a violation? Am I not keeping Montana uh, clean and or indeed positively improving, which is my individual duty to improve the environment, whatever the heck that means. And of course, this all boils down to the fact that property rights are not properly enforced in this country. We wouldn't need some vague nebulous uh, protection of the environment uh, thing if the if my, my property right included my right to the air quality that I bought this property with or if I have a river going through it, to the water quality that was going through it. That was the common law of private property. And that's been tossed out the door. The theory is that these are all public goods. Your property rights no longer include the air above and the minerals below anymore. Those have been extracted by most state laws. So now can we talk, let's, let's talk about for a minute because the origins of this are in what I think um, Alex Epstein has, has narrowed it down to a, a vision of what improvement means. Now, improvement is an evaluation and evaluation, you have to always ask an improvement for whom, right? This is something that seems to go out the, the window with respect uh, to defining this term legalistically and to environmentalists, you just assume that improving it for the environment will somehow down the line improve it for human beings. But let me take let me take a really dirty example, and I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna come up with some some interesting ones too. Uh, let's say Edinburgh during the Edinburgh Scotland during during the Industrial Revolution. If you were to go through Edinburgh today, you would see the remnants of the Industrial Revolution on the buildings that are are blackened by the soot that was everywhere from coal coal uh, burning fires. Now now people needed the coal in order to survive the winters. It was coal or die. Now I could consider despite the fact that Edinburgh might have been a great deal more polluted than it is today, thanks to the, the thanks to progress in technology, that that's, that was a step up and an improvement of the environment, despite the fact that there was coal pollution in the air. Now, of course, an environmentalist would look at that and wouldn't even take that progressive step, which would, of course, be necessary for the, the next progressive step and the next progressive step and the next progressive step. Um, so let's talk about that. When improvement to whom? What is their? What is their? Uh, who, who is their standard? What, what what standard are they operating on when they say you must improve the environment? They drop all context, and it's the human context, as you point out, that they specifically drop. So, improved environment means we have to exclude human interest, and that's part of the theoretical structure of improving the environment. Mean erasing man's uh, contribution. Any human change is bad. But of course, that's absolutely not the case. And not only that, the, they, they would drop the, the context of what in the dramatic improvement to human life, the increase in more, uh, the decrease in mortality rates, the increase in population, the increase in the wealth and comfort of Britain during the Industrial Revolution. All of that context, of course, must be dropped when you consider improvement. And think about it, I mean, even as technolo technology improves, America versus say the other big industrial countries or the major big populated countries, we have 
been declining in our carbon emissions, even going by their standards because of natural gas and clean coal uh, technology, uh, other things like that, we are dramatically becoming the, the, the uh, least offender when it even comes to carbon emissions through improved technology. But of course, natural gas, clean coal are the very things they want to stop, the very technologies that improve the very thing that they want to reduce. Uh, and of course, they want to, uh, like I say, make Montana burners of fossil fuel responsible for the burners of fossil fuel in China, those really dirty coal burning plants in uh, China uh, is the responsibility of you if you burn natural gas in Montana. Absolutely insane. Well, James, now, James, now, now there, there are people that would say, okay, yes, we see declining uh, uh, CO2 emissions, uh, fossil uh, emissions in, in the modern states, but this is, this is due exclusively to environmental awareness that has been baked into legislation. It's the Clean Air Act that caused the clean air in California. It's not, it's not rising technology um, and ec economizing human beings that, that decided, uh, well, this actually makes more sense to us. It's, it's the state. What say you to that? Because this, this sort of oh, I enables... In I think you grew up in LA too. I grew yeah. up in LA. And uh, boy, LA is maybe the most famous example in America of a smog problem. Boy, the air pollution in uh, LA in the 20th century became legendary and it is much better. But you know something, way back when the Spaniards first came to the Bay of La the Port of Los Angeles, we call Santa Monica Bay and uh, uh, the Port of Los Angeles south of that San Pedro Bay. When they first came to those bays, they named it the Bay of Smokes because the new mountains that surround what is called the Great Basin of Los Angeles create a sort of bowl there, which contain uh, the atmospheric uh, pollutants. And the smoke from Native American fires created such a dense layer of smoke that the Spaniards themselves called Los Angeles the Bay of Smokes when they first got there, literally the first name they gave for it. Now, it Wait, is true. I I know I know people don't like to hear this because you're implying that Native Americans weren't necessarily completely in harmony with their um, with their environment. And James Cameron would have something to say about that in a new avatar, I'm sure. Um, but it's true that these are not just campfires and cook fires that that the natives were producing, but they burned entire forests to hunt. Did they not? I mean, this is this was did. they would. In the uh, uh, plains, they would make, cause fires to force herds of buffalo in a certain direction. In, in the further west, they would cause forest fires to create conditions for hunting that they wanted. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and the way they, uh, animal, the Native Americans probably drove several animal species out of existence to extinction. We don't want to talk about that kind of stuff either. Uh, that, you know, because, you know, they were living in perfect harmony with nature after all, Mark. Um, in any case, uh, it is true that because air quality was regarded as a public good uh, and uh, private property rights to your clean air were not recognized as private property rights, we needed something to say we got to clean up the environment in uh, L.A. And it is true that the Clean Air Act passed, what, 50 years ago now, uh, or more than 50 years ago now, dramatically changed the quality of air in Los Angeles, as anyone who comes from LA or, and has known it over the decades has done. But that was done in a very specific way. It could have been done through and should have been done through private property rights, in my view. But the, <clears throat> the point there, though, is, is that we've done it by means of improved technology. 
the, the real way of doing it is the solution to these problems is not less technology, but more technology. Let loose capitalist greed. Uh, as you, we pointed out just earlier, if you're really serious, you want to go for like nuclear power. But of course, they don't want technology. They don't want energy. They don't want humans to thrive and prosper. That's the real motive here of these uh, green monsters. Well, that's a good well, let's not forget that the people who live closest to nature in the third world live with the worst indoor pollution um, imaginable. They live at 19th century levels of indoor pollution, which is not healthy, folks. It's a, it's a great deal less healthy than anything you'll find out there in the first world. For most cancer incidence rates, they're much higher in the non-industrialized world. You know, there used to be a thought that in industry industrialized pollution <clears throat> chemical additives to food, all that stuff was increasing the cancer incidence rates in the industrialized world. <laughs> exactly the reverse is true. The higher cancer incidence rates for nearly all forms, for over 90% of the forms of cancer, uh, are found in undeveloped uh, countries. That's interesting. Now, I suspect that the, green, that the Clean Air Act came on the heels of technological developments that were already starting to decrease levels of, of pollution. I, I suspect that because I've seen in I've, I've seen in other movements where the state gets the credit for these vast benefits to people that that legislation usually followed um, progress in production. So uh, it's not unions, it's it's not oh, the state that, that created higher wages, it was production, it was look, not- look, You couldn't have a five hour, 40 hour work week or a five hour norm work week before the economy could support that. But the amazing thing is when the economy, when the profit driven economy allows it is only when it can happen, only when it becomes a <laughs> part, or at least, if not the industry norm, can they actually afford to pass these laws that make it the, everybody's got to do it. So until a major industry, or in fact, the majority of major industries follow a practice, it doesn't become legislated because they just can't equal them. I mean, it'd be like, hey, why not pass a $100,000 an hour minimum wage? But, you know, we couldn't afford sure. it. Uh, uh, yeah. determines what can be afforded. <laughs> yeah, you know, when, when when it's a matter of life and death, you're going to choose coal and London fog over death. And you may find some ancillary effects from that. There, there may be issues down the road, but you're choosing survival and your immediate survival. And it takes wealth and productivity to get out of that mode, mode. to get out of subsistence mode into the mode where you can start being wealthy enough to do what we do, which is legislate, and, uh, which I don't think they need to be legislated, but legislate changes um, in, in production, which, which I think could be much more quickly and effectively driven by market forces than by the compulsion of government. Um, so the, 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 the bad news is for the people of the third world, the people of color, um, they are the ones who are getting the brunt of all this uh, anti-industrialization, this pro-nature, uh, holding up nature as sort of the Gaia God that we, we have to sacrifice our lives to. They're the ones who are sacrificing their lives to it because they can't go through this, the industrial stages and, and energy production, progression of energy production to get wealthy enough to get clean. So they are, they are left in a 19th century level of development, which I think is terribly so unjust. See, if we have this foreign investment from the West to these developing countries, we're going to bring in these terrible factories, which are going to be slave places because the wages are lower than the Western norm. They're going to be causing pollution and so forth. But of course, as you point out, that is the beginning of a chain reaction 
that will get them out of a polluted and dirty and, and dangerous, frankly, environment. For people to think that nature is somehow safe and benevolent and friendly to human <laughs> to humankind. I think you've even made this point on our podcasts. Just watch a couple of episodes of Naked and Afraid. Nature is a dangerous, hostile place for myself. I am such a pampered creature of civilization, child of modern civilization. I don't think I could last half a day out in some uh, hostile jungle or in some barren uh, Arctic no. wasteland. No. I would be gone like that when you Indeed. see these weight i mean even these people in shape who consider themselves survivalists when you see what happens to them when they take on uh raw nature with only one or two tools the weight they lose the depression they feel they're covered with insect bites the diseases they come back with the infections they come sometimes they have to interrupt the whole show just to extract someone who's on the verge yeah. of maybe dying and let me tell you something. You can't just go to that pristine uh, stream rolling down the rocks in the middle of a Belize jungle and think that you can drink out of it like like uh, like in some, some movie. No, no. That thing is filled with amoebas and parasites. Fresh water in the world is about 1% of the water. And that 1% still has to be processed by human industry to be good enough to drink. I mean, this is one of the reasons why ancient people drink mead and wine instead of water. Alcohol kills the critters in the in the liquid. Absolutely. Critters. You know, we put a little chlorine or we put a little, uh, uh, you know, into public water supplies. We put just a touch of a little chemical. It kills all the bacteria. If it's not filtered and cleaned in some way like that, our water is positively dangerous to drink. That's because of human activity. Absolutely. Yes, I, I don't, I don't, uh, this is anecdotal, but I was doing this little short film up in Bishop. I think that's around the Sierra mountains, a pristine stream was flowing down the mountain. I had to get into the stream, wade in there and sort of freezing cold. It comes from the ice pack up there in the Sierras. So I'm in there. And, and one of the, one of the extras who was, uh, who lived in Mammoth and lived in that area said, whatever you do, don't dunk your head under that water because there's that, there's this particular uh, parasite that lives in this seemingly pristine water that any anyone from the city would dip their hand in and and suckle like it was uh, like it was a stream in Eden uh, that that would burrow into my brain and 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 probably kill me. So uh, <laughs> it's horrible disease. <laughs> nature nature is a terribly dangerous dangerous thing. It is a merciless merciless creature on you. And human engagement with nature is to fundamentally change it to make it appropriate for human life. Right? We can see That's now survival. You stop that, you kill humanity. It's like telling a bird it can't fly or a fish it can't swim. Humans improve the world around them in every way, in every way to make it more. It's not that we're hostile to other living creatures. It's just that we encourage certain plants and animals and we discourage really hostile ones to us. As far as I'm concerned, the tsetse fly can be driven extinct tomorrow and I wouldn't shed a tear. Um, Absolutely. You see my point? It, and it, it, the idea that people won't have gardens or farms or, uh, in fact, forests. In fact, there are more trees in North America today than there were 
when Europeans got here 200 years ago. And you can take the graph and see that the number of trees is actually increasing. Now, in recent times, maybe there's overgrowth because they won't let private companies do clear cutting. So now we have these wildfires that go out of control that uh, have at least as much to do with that as anything in the climate. So yeah, w- once again, once again, the forests were denuded because people needed to survive. And now they're growing back again because we don't have that. Uh, requirement anymore. We have surplus time. We have surplus wealth to enable us to build things back again to our preferences. So you're right. Once again, improving environment, you must ask yourself, what does that mean? It's a, a the environment is of value to whom? And if we say for human life, then there's a particular way we have to approach the environment and prior, prioritize our action towards it with respect to those values. Um, uh, Robert Nace here with the dollar ninety nine. Thank you, Robert. It's always great to see you out there listening. Wazart gives us three dollars. Thank you, sir. Always great to have you on the show too. Jonathan Honing at dollar ninety nine. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, Ashley shrugged with the dollar ninety nine. Always great to see you. She's coming out very soon with reality check T shirts. So we're going to start selling merch. I'm going to start. I think I'm going to get into some capitalist party merch. I want to start making capitalism great again uh, in the eyes of the culture. Um, James, I have a couple of announcements to make, and then we have to wrap up real quick because we have a show hard upon us at seven p.m. UK UK time. The reality show on environmentalists should act more like Donald Trump. This is a question. It's posed to the audience. I'm pausing it out there now. Uh, Should they or should they not? At 10 p.m. UK time, Life on Earth with Robert Nasir and special guest Dr. Robert Garmong on free market medicine in China. Okay, this is a this is a, a paradox that I don't know that I can marry, but let's let's see. Uh, tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. UK time, The Daily Objective with Nikos on The Red Scare. Justified? Um, I would say if we're talking about the 40s and 50s, absolutely. But this, this is a very politically incorrect perspective. And tomorrow, 7 p.m. UK time, Finance Friday with Jim Brown and special guest Clive Davis, uh, the director of Ex Nihilo, the truth about money. Well, money should be. Yeah. And we got great content here. So you should like and subscribe, folks, and watch this stuff. This 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 stuff needs to permeate the culture. Uh, Money is a very confusing, complex thing. It should be pretty simple, but the state makes it hard. Um, James, as usual, it's been great uh, talking to you on this topic. Um, You enlightened me. I hope you enlightened people out there. Any final words before we sign off? No, this is always great. Yeah, if you really think this, and I couldn't agree more with you, Mark, if you all out there agree with this, do consider becoming a paid subscriber to the Ayn Rand Center UK. We are creating a worldwide community of serious students of objectivism, having discussions like this and getting them out there. And if you think that's important, consider value for value here, people, uh, and consider subscribing at whatever level you're comfortable with. That's right, folks. If you're dissatisfied with the tribe's Go to the individualists, the objectivists, and always remember to check your premises. Peace.